Hello to all the aspiring and current Toastmasters. Welcome to yet another episode of the Curious Toastcast. In this podcast, we meet some of the eminent and experienced Toastmasters to talk about their journey of becoming great leaders and speakers. So keep listening to the Curious Toastcast. What happens in quarantine? Nothing. You sit there in an empty room and, and do Toastmaster meetings, <laughs> but you sit there in an empty room until knock, knock, knock. Oh, who's there? Oh, it's breakfast. Knock, knock, knock. Oh, it's lunch. Knock, knock, knock. Oh, it's dinner. Knock, knock, knock. Oh, they're taking my temperature. Knock, knock, knock. Oh, it's a nasal swap. <laughs> I didn't like that one. But then it made me think, isn't this life? That's opportunity, right? That's opportunity knocking. And I created an entire speech about opportunity knocking and how we're so scared to open that door. Sometimes we want that door to open because we think there's food and something we enjoy. Other times we're thinking it's a nasal swab <laughs> and I must open it no matter what's going to happen to me. But here's the major point about it. Sometimes you are the one knocking. In Toastmasters, we are on the other side of the door. We are knocking and saying, hey, come out. Come out and play. Don't be scared. It's just your icebreaker. Come out and play. Don't be scared. Be an officer. So inspiring. Don't be scared. Yeah. Yeah. Knock, knock, knock. And hopefully after listening to this podcast, many of our guests who are willing to join, but are just there on that door, they'll hopefully open that door and come in. Yeah, I wanted to ask a question that you have participated in many Toastmaster contests and you have won many contests. So as a beginner, as a newbie, what are your advices to be become better at winning contest or be a better speaker specifically for first, contest yeah first when you get into a contest if it's the international speech contest have a speech that you feel strongly about because if you advance you're going to have to give that speech more times than you ever dreamt i mean yes at every single contest you have to give it but imagine how you practice I mean, as I'm going through the international speech contest, I'm giving that speech three, four, five, six times a week, sometimes two to three times a day. Sometimes people are watching it. Sometimes I'm just recording it and sending it off. But you have to believe in it. You have to believe in reliving that story. And sometimes those stories are painful. My story was painful. I didn't think about that because actually that was the first time I ever did the international speech contest because I'm, I'm still kind of new, you know? And so that's the first time that I didn't even think about the fact that, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to tell this torturous story, this story about the worst day of my life. And I'm going to have to tell it over and over and over and over. I'm going to have to relive it. And I'm going to have to tell it to strangers and I'm going to have to tell it to a camera where there's absolutely no, is it COVID, right? There was no response. Everybody was dead quiet. You just tell the story, you pour your heart out, and nothing. They go, thank you. We'll see you at the contest. 
oh, torturous. So have a story that you feel strongly about that even if there's only one person there listening or nobody listening, it's still important to you. As for table topics, have a lot of fun. Yes, there are ways to prepare for it. Do everything you can. Do as many table topics as you can. Come join my WhatsApp group or my WeChat group, and we'll do table topics until you get tired. Have a lot of fun with it. If you're in the evaluation contest, even though that speaker in your club meeting is being evaluated by your friend, you should evaluate them too on paper. And then just give them the piece of paper. They can either read it or throw it away. You know, it's perfectly okay. When you do rehearse or practice for a table topic, ask someone to send you recordings of the prompt, not written, because once you see it, then you're already thinking and you may not be ready to give the speech. Send the prompt by WhatsApp in a, in a vocal message. Then you're like, play. You hear it, you go. And that's really how you mimic the contest the best way you can. Everybody should do the contest, have a lot of fun with it. It doesn't matter that you don't advance. You, you push yourself to do your absolute best. I know this is really, I know all my answers are really long, but this is, this, it's going to get longer. When I'm rehearsing with students, we rehearse 30, 40 days. And, you, and I try as much as possible to mimic performance. It never works. You, you, you do the absolute best to, to mimic a performance, but it, it's inevitable that after 40 days of rehearsal on opening night, boom, they give me something different. I'm like, where did that come from? Why didn't you do that on day one? Now the growth. So same thing with the contest. You don't know how good you're going to get until you're in front of an audience. It's a contest and the, your tension is high and you give it your best, your absolute best. You see what you can really do. That's a great thing about contest. Wow, Percy. These are some amazing tips. So just tell me one thing. So we have, when we are on the stage, we have some sort of cognitive distractions as in I won't be able to perform or I'm nervous or the atmosphere is different. Even though we have practiced, we have rehearsed multiple times. So how you deal with that? Your speech has a message. Deliver the message. No matter what, deliver the message. You focus on your audience. There are people who get caught in emergency situations. Let's say you're a mother, the child runs out in the street. That mother would throw herself in front of the car to protect that child. Mm. There's a fire in the building and you hear a baby crying. You would run into that building to protect. We don't pay attention to anything else when we know that what we're doing is important. So you have to trigger that in your own mind, that what I have to say is important. What I have to say is so important that my life depends on it. Maybe not my physical life, but my life inside here. Like if I don't say this, I'm gonna die inside. It becomes important. Now all of a sudden the stakes are raised. This does two things. One, it's going to get you, gets you past all your fears and distractions. Number two, it's going to add something to your speech that's so vibrant 
so visceral that your audience has to pay attention because it's so important. Wow. So all in all, what you are saying is have the end goal in your mind and deliver it no matter what. Wow, that's a great message. So Parsi, tell me one thing. You have been into theater for so many years. So do you think that uh, there is a correlation between theater and a public speaking? Because when I see myself, when I deliver my speeches, there is a, you know, some sort of a monotone. But when you look at theater people, like I'm watching you speaking, there are expressions, there are modulation, everything is there. But then, you know, we are totally beginners in public speaking and we have monotone, we, we, have, we face problem with expressing ourselves, be it our facial expressions or something of that sort. But here you are speaking, conveying message through your eyes, through your facial expressions, through your voice. So how, how can we achieve that? Should we also join theater or is there, what, what should we do? <laughs> You should join theater. I think everyone should join theater because it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and you should join theater because you're surrounded by a group of people who just don't care what everybody else thinks. <laughs> Come on out here and do what you got to do. So it's great. So should you join theater? Absolutely. Do you have to join theater? No. You simply understand what it is that you have to do and you work on those particular skills. This was one of the reasons why, you know, how, you're creating a pod, a podcast, a library of podcasts and afterburners. I created a library of videos and I made some and the other members made some. Most of mine are based on skills and their, theirs are based on what each role has to do. So I think this kind of thing is terrific for your members to look at. If you ever want to look at some other videos, go to the afterburners.org and you can see Oh, there's Furzy. Yeah. And he's, he's telling me exactly what to do with my hands. And he's telling me exactly what to do with my face. And he's telling me what to do with my body. And he's telling me how to prepare a speech. So you can send your members there and go, hey, go, go here, click. And it's interesting. And it's free. And it's three minutes. Okay, cool. Awesome. Awesome, Percy. <laughs> we can do that. So, Percy, tell us one thing. In one, uh, you know, if you have one suggestion for a Toastmaster who just joined this thing, you said that deep dive into it or go, what if a person wants targeting a CEO position in an organization? So what they need to do and how they can improvise. There are so many messages we want to say, we want to convey, we want to, you know, let the audience do certain things, inspire them, motivate them or target the CEO position, how we can achieve all those things through our speeches? Everybody has different <laughs> styles and everybody has different paths that we take in life. Mm -hmm. But if we're talking about leadership and that leadership can be a CEO, mm -hmm. that leadership can be a father, mm -hmm. you have to remember one very important thing that I've learned as a teacher. Mm -hmm. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. They do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. We have to care about the audience. Earlier when you said you have to begin with the end in mind, know what your end result is, do we really know what the end result is? 
for a lot of people, when they speak, they think the end result is giving the speech. No. The end result is the audience. Did they get up and say, yes, I'm going to go home and I'm going to hug my child? You know, are they going to go back to their company and say, okay, I'm going to care about you and not yell at you over things that you do wrong? And, right? That's when you know you've done your job. My job as a speaker is not to talk. That's a talker. Yeah. <laughs> you want me to talk? Let's go get coffee. No, you want me to motivate you. A speaker's job is to move that audience from point A to point B. And until they move, you haven't accomplished your position yet. You've not accomplished your job if they don't feel like moving to point B. Do you guys have cats or dogs? No cats? No dogs? Anybody grow up with a cat or a dog? No. My gosh, no cats. You know, a dog, uh, a dog, they say man's best friend because it does everything you want it to, right? <laughs> you give it a name. Why? So when you call it, it comes to you. you. You can teach it tricks. Speak, sit, roll over, heal, stay. Not a cat. Cats do not do that. I gave my cat a name. I don't know why. It doesn't respond. <laughs> I call its name and he's like, whatever. <laughs> a dog thinks, a dog thinks you give me food and shelter. You must be a god. A cat thinks you give me food and shelter. I must be a god. <laughs> Our audiences are cats. They are not dogs. Just because I say it doesn't mean they're going to do it. As a speaker, my job is to figure out what is going to motivate you. What's going to get you from point A to point B. If a cat is outside in the yard, and it's storming and it's lightning. If I go chase after it to pick it up and bring it in, it's going to run away from me. You're like, what are you doing? I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to save you. No, runs away from me. You have to understand your audience and figure out what's it going to take to bring them in. You might have to make some jokes. You might have to have silence. You might have to be bigger. You might have to be very logical. What's your audience? And then understand them. And then you can speak in such a way that they will be persuaded. They will allow themselves to be persuaded because they are not dogs. They are cats. So the main idea is just focus on the audience and understand them so that they, you will be able to convey your message properly. Okay. Yeah. So, Farsi, tell us one thing. You have into teaching profession for so many years and then you joined Toastmaster. Here also you have served in leadership position. So, what's the difference? You know, how it's adding value to your profession, these leadership positions? Or for that matter, what leadership is for you? For me, it, it, um, 
it affirmed that what I had was real. This is more about teaching than anything else, what I'm about to say, but when you've taught for 30 years and you've been in a school for 30 years, you realize everything I've done is with students. Well, yes, they're real people, but they're not adults like all of you. That's a different thing altogether. And so there was a part of me that felt like what I had done was not real. Like I've been buying things with monopoly money. You know, it's not real. It was within a safe structure. All of a sudden, I'm allowed to do everything that I've been doing out here in the real world. I'm sure that all of you are in businesses, the real world. I was in that little insulated area called a school. And in my mind, I had that false sense of security. So all of a sudden, now I'm in the real world and I go, oh, no, I'm really not this good. I'm really not this good. I've just been dealing with that. I'm not this good. Now, all of a sudden, okay, I can speak and, and they're willing to listen and I can lead and my ideas are, are working. As an area director during the pandemic, I had to do something to get my clubs moving forward. You know, I couldn't just say, hey, go to the TI website and look at the numbers. You're failing. Yeah, I've done my job. No. <laughs> Our job is to help them. Our job is to teach them. If I'm a teacher and my kids are failing, I'm responsible. I have to do something to help those kids up. Same thing with my clubs. I had to do something to help my clubs up as an area director. So I created table topics meetings, you know, international. It, I, that, that's how I started getting involved with people from India and Saudi Arabia and Russia. I had my little clubs in Fort Worth hosting table topic events on an international scale. We had a leadership panel, people from China and Africa on a leadership panel to help our officers understand how to be better leaders to lead our Toastmaster clubs. I had several mentoring workshops so that our officers knew how to bring up the new members and really work with them and not just say, well, there's the pathway. Get to a base camp, have a good time. You know, how do we really bring them along? These were all things that I did in my school building, but I didn't realize they were legitimate. So Toastmasters gave me opportunity to be a real individual, a real person, a leader. And I'm always grateful for that. That's great. So you applied your teaching experience from your school to Toastmasters. Yes. That's sir. great. I have a question that according to you, what is more important? what you are delivering or how you are delivering? Everybody always asks that. <laughs> it just depends. It really depends on your audience. Again, some audiences, they don't need razzle-dazzle, just the facts. Other audiences, they want to be entertained. And sometimes I get that wrong, but I still get it right. <laughs> there are times when I think, okay, I'm going to give it to, I'm going to give this product to 
this audience. And then when I'm giving my presentation, I go, I don't think they liked it. I don't think they liked me. I don't think I was what they wanted because everyone was like, <laughs> and on Zoom, everybody's muted, right? So I thought they don't like this because I actually spend a lot of time looking at the gallery. I don't use a script. I don't, I rarely use a PowerPoint. I, I use my eyes and check the gallery. Are they laughing? Are they paying attention? Are they feeling? And it, I, I got nothing from them. And I thought, well, I guess I'm not going to ask them for testimonials. <laughs> but at the end of the meeting, they were all like, that was great. And I went, oh, okay, good. <laughs> I'm glad. You had me fooled. So I think it's a combination. Your speech has to have structure and your presentation has to have what they want. Remember, the important part of a speech is that people are listening. But they don't have to listen. They don't have to listen. They could be on their phones, right? You could have your phone out right now and I would never know. Well, not pretty. She's looking at the camera. But her left hand, it could be texting. You could take a phone and hold it right by the screen underneath the camera. No, <laughs> Same thing with a live. Yeah, so you've all done it. <laughs> Same thing with a live audience. If, if you're speaking to a live audience and I'm an audience member, I'm like, hey, she's cute. Yeah, I'm not even paying attention to the speaker. Audience has choice. They don't have to listen. So you have to give a speech that has the structure that people can understand. Because once they lose the logic of what you're saying, tuned out. Tuned out. They're on their phone. What's happening on Facebook? So one, you have to have that structure so it's logical. You have to lead them along. You have to lead them along like you are walking your grandfather who's lost his eyesight and you're leading him on the sidewalk. Don't trip on that, grandfather. Right? Take one step. Move to your right, grandfather. Logical. The other part is making it interesting so that you, the speaker, are more interesting than what's on Facebook. Because they have the world in that little Nokia, or that little Apple device. They have the world. You have to speak in such a way that they're willing to go, okay. Yeah, that's true, Farsi. Farsi, tell me one thing. Since uh, you are talking about this thing that audience have a choice, they can do multiple things while a speaker is delivering the speech. This brings me to the question which I really, you know, face every now and then that Zoom meetings are not the real public speaking thing. You know, you cannot have the public speaking on Zoom. So what's your take on this thing? It's real now. <laughs> Definitely, you are needing this. It's real now. I mean, for a while there, we all thought, well, you know, we'll do Zoom for now. But hey, when this thing goes away, we got to get back to presenting. Well, we do. We have to get back to presenting. But Zoom's not going anywhere. 
Zoom is not going anywhere. Are you kidding me? The opportunity for me to meet with you thousands of miles away, it's not going anywhere. We have opened the door. You cannot close it. This is magic. This is absolutely magical. I have enjoyed this. I've been able to make contact and grow. The world has gotten smaller because of this. We, we have something that, that we don't ever want to give up. So you have to understand that there are two sets of skills. One is the presentation. But if I did this to you, you'd be like, stop. It's like my mother-in-law talking to me, stop. <laughs> and then this is the other. Imagine what actors went through. They've been on the stage for 2,000 years. Then all of a sudden, somebody invented the movie camera. What's real acting? All of it is real acting. But on the camera, this will do it. On stage, no. <laughs> on stage, I can't do this. Maybe I could get away with it, but I have to go, because I got big eyebrows. But <laughs> on stage, I have to go, right? I got to make a big movement. On camera, I can do this. On stage, I have to do this. On camera, I can say, um, what's a word? Tough, tough. On stage, if it's a faraway audience, tough. I have to voice it for it to carry because the F won't carry. Tough, tough. Or you change the S to a Z. On a, in, a big, in a big theater, you have to change the S to a Z sometimes to make it carry. So firstly, following upon this, so I have got multiple recommendations that I should not deliver my speech sitting, even when over a camera. So would you recommend uh, we physically standing up and delivering like we do in physical settings? <laughs> or <Yeah>. would you? <laughs> okay. Yep. <laughs> so at every place I have, I have the chair on a table so that the computer's here so that I can stand. Yeah. <laughs> so much so that when I'm watch, like, let's say I have to do an evaluation, right? So when I do the evaluation, I'm watching the speaker. I'm watching the speaker. I'm watching the speaker. Then we go to table topics. During table topics, I pull it up here and then they go, okay, evaluation one, go. Now I do my evaluation right here. So absolutely stands. There's an energy about it. You can move around. You've got this whole depth you have. If it's just ceiling, then you're kind of like, well, this is all I can do, you know? And you can do this and there's some effect to it, but not like when you have your whole space. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know you're one of the few people that's like, oh my gosh, that's what he's really got going on. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, no. So I definitely also feel the same way. And from now on, I'll never deliver sitting down when I'm delivering a speech. So uh, firstly, we won't take uh, much of your time, but I just wanted to ask one more question, like about your public speaking journey uh, in Toastmasters. Is there anything you would do differently if you started today, if you restarted your journey today? 
Oh, I look back at my uh, ISC speech, the one that, you know, I got to the semifinals, and I can see where I could have made it better. Like in some ways, I didn't make my structure as good as it needed to be. It was very organic and it was very story driven, but I can see where I could have made it better. But that's all right. I'll get the next one. You know, I've become a better speaker because of that experience. I'm really not sure that I would have changed much. I think sometimes when you live in a world of coulda, woulda, shoulda, I think when we live in a world where that, we can make ourselves very sad because of lost opportunities. And yes, we need to get better. And I love history and I love my own history and I love getting better. And I always like to correct what I messed up on. But it's very important, I think, for our own personal happiness that we live in today. We live today where we are and who I have in front of me. So this is not the meeting that I thought it was going to be. It's better. And if all I do is be sad or be angry about the other meeting that was in my head, I think this is so much better because the other meeting in my head was boring. The other meeting in my head was like, why are we having a meeting? Just tell me when you want me to speak and I'll talk and then tell me when to shut up and then I'll shut up. <laughs> this, this is, this is a far greater opportunity than I thought I had one hour ago. Great, great, Farsi. So I had a lot of takeaways from this, but the one thing which definitely is on point is consistency is key. Just keep doing on, keep doing on, eventually get better. So that's amazing to hear. So I'll stop the recording now. Uh, I have a question, last question, uh, if time allows. Good, good, Rohi. Yeah, okay. My question is, uh, any uh, suggestions or recommendation on voice modulation for newbie? Who is entering into what? the public speaking? Let me tell you one thing first. You got a great haircut, sir. No. <laughs> Voice modulation. Listen to other people when they don't think they're being heard. Listen to yourself when you're in the middle of a dynamic situation. What I mean by that is, uh, let's say you're calling to your friend across the restaurant. Listen, listen to that. Listen to people as they call to each other across a, a distance or, or they are talking about each other, you know, or when they answer their phone in public. They, all of a sudden, the voice changes, doesn't it? You know? And rehearse your speeches with that song. I know, this is when everybody goes, Fursey's really nuts. I mean, I bought everything he said up until that point. Then he's crazy. No, listen to the song. Because songs, unless it's a Gregorian chant from, seven, from 1400, they, they have this, yes? There's pitch. They, they speed up, they slow down. They get louder, they get soft. If you're rehearsing your speech over and over again with the song in mind, the song goes down and all of a sudden you find your voice going down. 
and you realize, wow, I can do that. You find yourself pausing because the, the song paused. You find yourself speeding up because the song sped up. Well, why do they do that in the song? To make it interesting. And, and why should you do it? To make it interesting. <laughs> So there's a lot of other things to do. I mean, there's a lot of things about vowels, different vowel sounds. In, in, Indian, in the Indian languages, right, there's more than one language in your country, you, you, you figure out what the vowels do. But in the English language, so vowel sounds communicate emotion. Consonants communicate thought. Strange, huh? Yeah, follow the vowel sounds, A, E, I, O, right? They, they tend to have their own natural pitch. But try it. Find a song and then try saying your speech according to the song. And you're going to find yourself shifting. Thanks. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Anytime. By the way, I've done enough presentations now. I've done enough presentations on vocals and uh, gestures, physicals and evaluations. And they're all posted. Like, you know, everybody posts their stuff. If you Google search my name, you'll find some videos and you, you, you can watch if you're bored. Sure, sure. Thanks. Thanks. That was a really great session. You have inspired me to not to become better at Toastmaster, but also join theater and work on myself. <laughs> I really want to join theater now after having discussion with you. Well, good. Good, good, good. There is some very different theater in, in India. A lot of it is more Western now with, with the rise of Bollywood, you know, over the last uh, decade. But even, even in traditional Indian theater, it's very interesting. The, the Katikali and the, the Shadow Play. It's very... Oh, okay. You want to find out about gestures, physicality? Have someone record you while you're behind a sheet. So all they see is a shadow. Like all they see is a shadow and record it. And you're going to find that when your hands are here, you don't see it. When your hands are here, they see it, right? In silhouette. That, that affects what people see. That's yeah. Oh, Farsi, you have enlightened us on so many things, truly. I mean, we are so lucky. This session is really, literally so enlightening one. This is I'm going to rewatch it again and again. Actually, <laughs> I want this record. Yeah, because so much wisdom in just one session, in just one hour. Thank you so much, Percy, for accepting this invitation. We are truly honored to have you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Keep learning. Keep growing and till next time, keep listening to The Curious Toastcast.